What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. On today's episode, I will be chatting with my dear friend Noor from Afghanistan. Before the Taliban takeover, he used to run a tour company there and was actually my guide for both of my trips around his beloved nation. Thanks to him, I can now proudly say that Afghanistan is one of my favorite countries in the world, and I mean it. In this episode, we will be chatting about our mutual love for Afghanistan, and you will hear Noor's crazy escape story from Kabul to Melbourne. It's not Afghan people who wants the war. We, we are tired of war out there. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get into it. I have such a fascination for Afghanistan. And you know that, you know, I've been to every country now. I just finished in Saudi Arabia a couple weeks ago. So I can now officially say I've been to every country. Congratulations for that, Drew. You must have a very good feeling right now. Man, it's, it's, it's surreal to, to say those words. I'm still not used to it. But, you know, Afghanistan is is really one of my favorites and, and it ha- just has such a special place in my heart, mostly because of you, because you've been able to, to take me around to all these cool places. And just want to say thank you, man. Like, thank you for showing me your country. And it's a place I, I really hope to go back in the future. And I just want to say thank you for being so genuine and honest about your country and taking me around. Did you enjoy our time together? Actually, it's really appreciated for your visiting Afghanistan. It's so nice. You you were not just a client to me. I do appreciate all of our clients and friends who visited Afghanistan from around the world. You were you were really something special. You had amazing feeling about Afghanistan and uh, normally when 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 you say that, when you express that, it gives us a type of energy that I wanted to like take you and show you like every corner as much as possible. And uh, you were like the man to us, you know, and I said, look, Noor, this is the man, show him everything, try your best. And uh, actually Afghanistan became like more on the scene through you and your videos, which is which is really, really amazing. We had We had amazing, amazing people coming before to Afghanistan as well and after you as well of course like the, the the business grew up especially just for us i mean before nobody no 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 actual media attention was brought to afghanistan tourism to be honest but especially after your trip uh, many media people actual media people uh, wanted to talk to me like quite big local medias like bbc uh, we have another uh, media called Itilat Ruz. We have another media called uh, Voice of America at the international level. And uh, some other big medias talked about Afghanistan, talked about you, talked about tourism in Afghanistan, which was absolutely fantastic. Although they, they always used to take my name as well. And uh, it was it was a very nice feeling, like especially when all these big medias were talking about tourism in Afghanistan, the beauties of Afghanistan, the history and the culture and everything. It was amazing, you know. I enjoyed making all those videos. Those are stories that I love to tell. The culture is so beautiful. The people are so kind and it's different than what the media says about Afghanistan. I, I hope my videos shined a positive light on the country. I think... I've made about 15 v- total videos and they've had over 100 million views across YouTube and Facebook, which which I'm very proud of. And, and we really visited almost all the regions that are 
safe to visit, right? Yes. We went right. to Mazar Sharif in the north. We went to the Balkh province. We went to Kandahar. We went to um, Herat. We went to yeah. Kabul many times. We went to Panjshir Mountains. We went to Bamyan. One time we road tripped from Kabul to Mazar Sharif and the snowstorm came. We went through these crazy tunnels. It's a beautiful countryside. And all of a sudden, it was April, my first trip. And I thought it wouldn't be snowing at that time because the winter was over. But we got caught in this huge snowstorm. And a really sad story that I, that I tell people sometimes is you were driving on the freeway with me, just me and you. And accidentally, a dog jumped in front of the car, like a big dog, and you had hit it and killed the dog. And me and you looked at each other and we were like, oh, shit, like, what what are we going to do now? We pulled over. The dog was actually nowhere to be found. Remember, it was dead. Yeah. Like it went in the bushes. We couldn't even find the dog. But then your bumper, the front bumper of your car was like hanging off. And we were like, oh, my. And th- we were in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, no, I ho- first of all, I hope your car works. Second of all, we just killed a dog. But I guess the dog was the least of our concerns because we, we don't want to get stranded anywhere in the middle of the street in Afghanistan. And then you told me, you, you said, this is a problem because when we go to the next checkpoint, they're going to think that I killed someone or they're going to think that there was a big problem and they're going to hold us and it's going to be an issue. And guess what happened? That exact situation happened. What checkpoint were we at? What city? What town? We reached to the gate, the entrance gate of Mazar-e-Sharif. Yes, we reached the entrance gate, which is almost all the way there. And then they saw your bumper was half off. The scary part for me, man, was sitting in your car without my passport because they took my passport. My phone's not working. You're in the little booth talking to them for like 45 minutes, which felt like four hours. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, are they taking Noor? Like, are they going to take me? It's the most uncomfortable feeling, but I love it. Like, this is the reason why I, I travel for these kind of adrenaline, you know, crazy stories. But that was probably one of the most scared I've ever been in my whole life. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not, it's obviously not your fault at all. As a, as a traveler, it's my risk to go to Afghanistan. I understand that as a, with an American passport, I know what can happen, but I'm just telling the story because it's something that I always think about. And man, that was a crazy journey. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Drew. Even with the with the poor dog, unfortunately, uh, I, I I still feel bad about the dog. But yeah, the thing is that we we were trying to be careful, and the dog was standing quite away. And suddenly the dog jumped right in the middle of the street, and I tried to push the brake as as, as hard as possible, but it didn't work. And uh, and the dog just just went off, you know. It's not your fault at all, man. Like it happens. As a driver, I I've hit animals before, and it's not fun, and it's it's not the driver's fault when an animal jumps. But yeah, it was crazy being at that checkpoint. But for those who are wondering in the story, everything did everything was fine. I think Noor, I remember that you had called someone in your family who was connected to the police and. You know, you have to you have to show authority with these military guys in Afghanistan. And if you can say that, you know, someone in the police or whatever, then usually they let you go. And so finally, we were able to get out. And, and that was just a what, what a crazy adventure that was. But let's talk about some of the some of the good things, because the, the whole point of this podcast, it's called Roots of Humanity. So basically, I'm talking to really cool people around the world that I've met uh, or that I haven't met. And we're talking about their cultural identity, where they come from, what their country means to them and how you relate. And, and you were the perfect person because you love Afghanistan, right? It's just a fact. I mean, if anyone who loves their country, I think you love Afghanistan more than anyone. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that, Drew. That's 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 very true. 
working in Afghanistan at the time where we had 34 provinces and uh, we could only work in six or seven provinces with lots of tensions, Drew. You, you remember that when we were driving, how curious we were, how careful we were, like arranging about the security with everybody and uh, make sure the location that we used to go was fine. With all of these concerns, in when, when even when we were walking in the bazaars, it was not only a job for me just to take it to a bazaar or take it to a location, take photos, good shots, and, and, and leave. All the time, during work, I was nervous everywhere. Something could happen right in the middle of the, the, the people, right in the middle of the city. At the site, something could happen. Especially like, I took lots of people to Balkh area, the location that I took you to Balkh. It was just the front line. Where we smoked a hash, right? We went to the yes. hash den. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, literally, it's like this little little place where there's a bunch of old men, maybe five or six, and they just smoke really strong Afghan hash. Uh, the the front line. It was mainly very very close to the opposition party, and uh, anything could happen. We could just get caught in the middle of a clash. We we could get uh, maybe ambushed somewhere on the way, and also the government was pushing us a lot as well. So beside all of these type of difficulties that we had, like all the time the security department was making phone calls, were inviting me, I mean asking me to go to the department of security and explain to them who I brought into Afghanistan, what they mean was my, my, my clients. I had to explain giving them the identities of everybody. So talk about the security. A note on security, um, sadly when we left Bamiyan, like a, a month later or even weeks later, that whole place was destroyed uh, by, by two bombs. And I remember when we were there, you told me it's the most stable place in the whole country. In the last 20 years, there had not been any attacks. People live peacefully. You can walk outside alone at night. And I felt all those things when I was there. And then as soon as I left, I look on C the front page of CNN and there was two big attacks. Remember we shot that street food video in Bamiyan? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right where we were shooting that video exactly. was completely destroyed. And how many people died? Like more than 30, I think. I mean, it's so sad. So I don't even know that all that is happening behind the scenes. When you're on the phone all the time, I don't understand Dari or Farsi. So you're, you're speaking, you're always having these conversations about security when I'm there. That's true, true. So all of these, uh, it needs a lot of energy. It needs a lot of work, lots of tensions and stuff. But you can only continue such a job when you have a special passion and love and uh, care about your country and about your people and architecture and uh, history and everything like that. It was not really an, an easy job, Drew. I, I used to work a lot. Sometimes I was always following on the flights. Sometimes flights used to cancel. I had to go through road. The whole night I couldn't sleep sometimes. Even when I was with you, when, when, I, when, when we were supposed to make a road trip, these road trips happened many times when I was guiding in Afghanistan. And uh, uh, sometimes I had to stay awake the whole night. I mean, sometimes my phone was ringing just in the middle of the night and just to give me a report and make sure where I am. What do you think are the biggest risks of a traveler like myself coming? Is it kidnapping? Is that the biggest risk? It's absolutely kidnapping. It's absolutely uh, kidnapping. So we, we didn't want anything of those to happen to you or anybody else. So all these nice, beautiful 
people with beautiful mindset. They wanted to come to visit Afghanistan. They wanted to have a good time in Afghanistan and uh, they wanted to see the beauties. So we were trying to make 100% sure that they're okay, they're good. And they go home with nice pictures, nice stories and right. memories and, and stuff like that. And uh, sometime when some of my clients were talking to me about like, hey, Noor, you know, you know, we there are other guides in the other parts of the world as well. But you are like you, you're working a lot. You're more tired. And sometimes they were talking to me like that. And I was saying, look, it's 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 not only guiding just to take somebody, for example, to the Buddhas of Bamiyan, explain about the Buddhas and then take some photos and leave. It's it's just not like when, when, when I was guiding in Afghanistan, actually, at that time, I was a security officer. I was I was a security advisor. I was a security specialist. And at the same time, I was a, 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 a manager who was managing the other aspects of, of my work. There were other drivers. There were other guides working at the same time. Uh, it was it was difficult, uh, Drew, but there was a, a huge love behind that. It, it was it was not only about money. Of course, I was I was receiving money from people who were coming to Afghanistan, but it was not only about money. I used to work for the organizations before, and they gave me good money, but uh, I didn't have a good feeling. So when I was guiding, it was it was a type of respect for my country, and I was sure that I'm doing the right thing. And uh, when you came to Afghanistan, when Tomas came to Afghanistan, and many other good people who came to Afghanistan, that was a very big achievement. And now I really feel proud of myself that I did all of that for Afghanistan. Yeah, man. And and as a traveler, I also feel the same risks, you know, going to Afghanistan. I mean, you were worried about security. I was also worried about my life. You know, I'm I'm a very public person. Everything I do is online. Even though I didn't publicly say I was in Afghanistan when I was there, the word still gets out and, and I know the risks. But a lot of people ask me, why do I like Afghanistan? And it's hard for me to actually put into words. What I would say is that it's so pure and authentic and the way that the people dress and the way that they act and the way that they eat and the way that they socialize, to me, seems like it has been for the last 500 to 1,000 and beyond years. I feel like if, if, if anyone went to Afghanistan in the year 1600, they would see a similar Afghanistan than what they see today. Of course, you see cars on the road. Of course, people have cell phones. But honestly speaking, not that many people have smartphones. I mean, especially when you leave the cities, they have these little tiny, we call them burner phones in the US, but they're just like, just to dial the number and call. I mean, people aren't surfing the web all day. They're not wasting time at dinner. You don't see everybody on their phones. Of course, maybe in Kabul and certain parts of the country you do. But generally speaking, I feel like, Afghanistan puts you in this really cool movie of like, you're in a time machine. I just went back to the year 1800 and, and here's what life was like. And it's amazing. When you walk through the market of Kandahar, it's still like made of the same mud bricks and the way that the vendors are, are making the ice cream in these buckets. Literally, they like have a, an ice bucket where they're, where they're hand making ice cream right in front of you. And, and like, it's a lot of physical labor. I've never seen that anywhere else in the world. And, and then, you know, getting my picture taken on the street of Kabul with this old man who has a, a 100-year-old camera, you can't really find that anywhere else. So as someone who's been to every country, I really feel like Afghanistan is the most cultural place and it just holds on to its roots. And it's not like they're trying to do that. It's not like people are making an effort to hold on to their roots because they wear the same traditional clothes and that's just part of their identity. Other countries, like... 
they've modernized so quickly. Saudi Arabia is a great example. They've modernized so quickly that they're now trying to go back to their roots and they're trying to now wear the traditional clothes and they're trying to sit on the floor and eat with their hands because they've lost that sense. So I don't know. I can go on and on about Afghanistan, but that's that's really the true reason why I love the country. So that's a good segue into talking more about your connection to the country. So I want to know about your family background. Like, are your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, are they all Afghan or did they come from different parts of the world? Tell me about your family. I think, uh, Drew, like our, like our whole family, we're, we're coming from very central parts of Afghanistan, which is, uh, which is Ghazni province. And uh, I, think, I think we are quite the aborigines of the, the, the central Afghanistan. I think uh, as long as I know, uh, as long as I can see at least for like 2,500 years, we are the people who are living in the central parts of Afghanistan, which is like uh, Ghazni, which is Bamiyan, Daikundi, and uh, a little bit in the northern part of Afghanistan, in Balkh area and Samangan, uh, which is absolutely uh, all like uh, Hazar people. Ex- explain Hazar for people that don't know. Hazar is a... Here, I'll explain first and you can add. Uh, there's many different ethnic groups in Afghanistan, Pashtun, Hazar. Hazar is is, a, is an ethnic minority. I think it's about 10 to 15% of the country, or maybe I'm wrong, maybe 20%. And physically, they look different. They To me, they look a little bit more Asian, right? Yeah. Like more Central Asian. Um, and, 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 okay, you can... That's all I wanted to say. Tell me more about the Hazar people. Hazaras are quite the the aborigines of Afghanistan. Like at least I know I can I can for sure say that according to my belief and my research that I've done just for myself for my understanding, they are there for like two hundred and two thousand five hundred years. But according to some estimations and and history facts, they are there for 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 more than that, something close to four thousand years. Beside. Uzbeks and Tajiks and Pashtuns leaving, and of course we 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 are all Afghans in in general. Our identity outside of Afghanistan is Afghan, and we and 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 we respect that, and we love all the people who are living in Afghanistan. So we are coming from this central parts of uh, Afghanistan, and my like my whole family, like my great 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 grandparents, are all uh, Hazar people from the central parts of Afghanistan. During the during the mid-18th century, we had a king called Abdul Rahman, who was uh, a cruel king who forced Hazaras to slavery, and uh, lots of Hazar people at that time escaped out of Afghanistan. They went to different parts of the world, and one of the examples is that if you go to Kwaita, Baluchistan, there is a huge Hazar community in Pakistan as well, who are originally escaping from the uh, central parts of Afghanistan in the mid-18th century. They still, they call themselves Hazaras, they still talk Persian among themselves, and they have the special Hazara accent when they talk amongst each other. For example, if I go to Kuwaita, Baluchistan in Pakistan, uh, I can easily understand what they say, and uh, by the look, they're the same people. You also speak like, what, eight languages or something? It's crazy, man. I speak Pashto, I speak uh, Urdu, and I speak English. Of course, I speak Dari in Persian. So you can you can count it something like five. For those wondering why your English is so good, you studied in an American school and you won an English competition growing up, and you, it, it's very impressive, man. Your English is is better than mine. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> no, absolutely not, Drew. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, all of my inspiration comes from Tobey Maguire, who was the actor of Spider-Man 2, as I watched Spider-Man 2 maybe for 200 times over and over. Uh, actually, I, I educated myself in a very local English school that when I was graduated with a very high score, I found that I don't know English and uh, I, I wanted to fix this. I was looking at different type of movies. I was looking, especially when I looked the Spider-Man 2, that was a, at that time, it was a very popular movie. It was sometime in 2003 and four. So I, I started watching it again and again. And I, I said, I should learn this movie very well. Because if I learn this movie, I can understand other movies. If not, then that's it. Then it was a six-month project just with, with, with myself, like self-teaching. And I was spending like four to five hours every day behind my very old Pentium 3 computer. Uh, and I was practicing English. I was stopping the movie, like trying to take every words out. And I was trying to mime as the actors were doing, I was trying to pronounce the same way as they do. So after six months, it was it was it was a really big change. It's very admirable how you had that much dedication to learn English in a country like Afghanistan, where English is not very widely spoken or understood. Let, let's go back into Afghan talk. So I'm going to ask you a question. You can answer however you want. What does being Afghan mean to you? Well, Drew, Afghan, being an Afghan means like everything to me it means life to me well today lots of people now around the world they they like me they care about me they want to help me and uh, even today sometime when i move around australia some people identify me in the train in the playground when i when i when i take daniel just 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 to play with them some school kids come and then say hi and then ask me if i'm the guy with drew binsky and i say yes i'm the guy and say oh yeah you, it happens you to you now yeah 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 even even uh like two days ago i took daniel to uh, a little park here i wanted to play with him and just a very young man who was like 17 16 years old and he came hey are you nor from drew binsky videos and i said yeah oh man like I, I watch your videos and it's nice and stuff like that that makes me feel so good that for some context for those listening you now live in melbourne australia and you you've been there for what three or four three months now yeah, since three august months now yeah, yeah and, you, and you came, we're not going to dig too deep into this, but because of the Taliban takeover, I was so worried about you, man, but I'm so glad you were able to make it out safe. And, and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast, I think, of how you were able to escape. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel where, where we talked about it, but uh, I'm so glad that you made it out safe and, and um, you're now in Melbourne. And that warms my heart to hear that, that somebody recognized you from my video. And many other people, like a quite cool Australian uh, dudes, they were just sending me messages. They were inviting me for coffee. They were taking me, you know, to around to show the Melbourne, and they were giving me gifts and stuff. And all of these are happening, Drew, because I am an Afghan, you know, because I showed the beauties of Afghanistan, because I cared about my people and my country. That's that's what Afghan means to me. That's a part of my identity, and it's a it's it's a big truth. Like nobody can change it. I cannot change it, and uh, that's it. So without Afghanistan, without being a person from Afghanistan today, I was I was just like an uh, any other. 
person among the 7 billion population living on this planet. So You know what's crazy, Noor, is you are so proud of being Afghan and I admire that. And you're not scared to ever talk about it when you're traveling or you, you, you are, that's, that's you as a person. You are Afghanistan. Me, on the other hand, I love the USA. I love being American. I'm, I'm a proud American. I love my country. But sometimes when I travel, I'm a little bit shy to talk about being American. And it's, I don't know. It, it's because regardless of people's opinion on the US, they either love it or they hate it. But whatever it is, they always want to engage in a conversation that I don't want to engage with. Talking about Trump, talking about whatever. And that's why I always shy shy away from sharing my 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 background with people. It depends where I am, of course. I mean, it, it, it it's a it's a country by country basis. But I don't know. I'm just I'm relating it to me right now, and and it's it's so interesting. Like when I travel, when I travel, I want to do un-American things. I don't want to necessarily hang out with Americans all the time. I always want to be with locals and go places and and just do cultural things. What I'm saying is, I really admire how you go come from Afghanistan, which when, when, when you say the word Afghanistan to most people, they they would automatically think bad things, automatically think bad thoughts, Taliban, explosions, war, crime, uh, death. That's what people think about Afghanistan. And so it's really, I, I really admire that you carry the country on your shoulder. And, and, and it's really just, just an incredible thing. So if anyone, if anyone wants to visit Afghanistan, I know now is impossible, but let's just assume that Taliban, let's just assume we're in before 2020 or five years from now, um, and it is safe to go to Afghanistan. What are some of the places that you love, that you recommend people to visit? What are some of the regions that you that you really uh, want to put on the map uh, of Afghanistan? Uh, I, I really recommend people, if, if, if they could in the future, to spend more time in Afghanistan in order to understand the real Afghanistan. Previously, we could only offer one or two weeks trips to Afghanistan. We couldn't really show everything. We were just trying to show as much as we could. To get lost into the communities of Afghanistan, to go into the villages of Afghanistan, let's say, drive your car, go into the villages, spend a night inside a village, talk to the local people, go into the people's uh, houses, ask for tea, ask for food, and see how the people will react to you and how the people will, will come you. Hear their stories and uh, talk to them. Tell about yourself to them. That's the time you will, you, will, you will understand the real Afghanistan. And that's the stuff that we did. That's what we did everywhere. I took you to some places that you said you've never been. Remember when we met those nomads in Kandahar? That was amazing i mean just and 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 one time we picked up a hitchhiker somewhere i made a video about it and he invited us into his house and we had tea outside that those are, those are the experiences that i live for and they're and the people are so hospitable i feel like hospitality starts and ends in afghanistan I, just like you said they're very curious people and they want to know what are you doing in afghanistan where are you from tell me about your life like they're very very kind-hearted people and and I, I agree with what you're saying. That's that's true, Drew. So what I and you did, it was nice, but it was covering like the most important and main things in Afghanistan. But there are lots of small details inside the, the communities of Afghanistan that you need to spend more time in Afghanistan in order to be able to uh, to discover them. You know, for example, we have Nancy Dupri, a lady who traveled in Afghanistan uh, like 40, 40 years ago. 
and she became in love with Afghanistan. She wrote books about Afghanistan, and uh, she explains a lot about the country. There are many other places. For example, we couldn't go to Helmand, Drew. We, we couldn't go to Ghazni. In Kandahar, we were only able to visit just the center of Kandahar. But the main important aspects of Kandahar begins when you go to the districts, when you go to the villages. We went to that, uh, what is that, that ruin on top of the hill? That's that's the old city of Kandahar. It's called Zurshar. It's, it's like 2,000 years old. That place is so cool. Man, Kandahar. I'm so glad we, we were able to go there. I was I was pretty scared when we got off the plane. The that security check in the airport is so intense. But uh wow, what a trip. Kandahar, Afghanistan. <laughs> Home of the Taliban headquarters from the nineties. You did a, a great job when when you were in Afghanistan. You tried to take everything out of Afghanistan. But there are still things to see in Afghanistan. For example, if if hopefully if one day if I could take you to, to Wahan corridor that's that's another section of afghanistan you will see how people are living the very primitive life without road without electricity without uh, even uh, antenna you know without even phone coverage out there but they still have living they still will come people you can go to people's yurts and houses you milk from the animal and then drink it over there, you know. And that's so, on the border of Tajikistan in the mountains, right? Yes. Let's talk about the food. Man, I did a street food video there, but everywhere I've been in that country, the kebabs are outstanding. This this stuff called bolani, which is street food, it's almost like a, a savory pancake. They put like onions inside and, and all these delicious vegetables. I guess you can also have a sweet bolani, but most of them are, are savory and you get them on the side of the street. And then sometimes people ask me the question, where's the best fruit you've ever had? What's the best watermelon you've ever had? My answer is always Afghanistan. For some reason, like the climate in, in your country is blessed because you have really high elevation, low elevation, mountains, lakes, you have everything. And you can just grow the most incredible berries and watermelon and pomegranate and oranges. What are some of your favorite dishes in the country so people can understand? I love the kebabs from the north of Afghanistan. I love the kabuli halal, which is the rice with the raisins and carrots and meat inside. I love these two. This is the top two things. And we have lots of uh, other dishes. Afghanistan people in general, they concentrate a lot on the taste of the food rather than the nutrition. They don't really care like what is inside the the kabli palau They care like they, they try to add different types of herbs and spices and then they taste it and they want to make sure it's tasty enough. So, yeah, like they, they don't really know about carbohydrates. They don't really know about protein and, uh, and vitamins and stuff like that. But it, it needs to be tasty. This is the main two things for me. And uh, we have shurwa. We have uh, different type of other recipes. We have china key. We have uh, bulani. We have mantu. We have ashak. All these words, nobody understands what they are. You have to explain what they are. So... Mantu, you probably remember, it's a type of dumplings made out of uh, crushed meat. And then meat is first, it's minced, and then it's, uh, it's, it's crushed. And then you add different types of herbs and, and spices in it, especially lots of onions and garlics and uh, other more stuff t- to make it super tasty with with a very strong taste and then you put it inside a very pepper type of narrow sheet of dough and then you close it and then you put it into the 
boiled water, but from the steam. It's cooked by the steam. And then you take it out and then you add some toppings. Especially we have a special thing. It's called chaka in Afghanistan. It's, it's made out of yogurt, but it's not yogurt. It's a processed type of yogurt. It's in a local product in Afghanistan. So you add that one. That's especially for, for mantu and ashak. Ashak has the same process. And then you add any type of sauce. You make sauce out of lentils. You make sauce out of chickpeas, out of uh, beans. And then you add it on the top, which is sour and spicy and nice. You know what's cool about Afghanistan cuisine? Afghanistan is located so perfectly right in between Iran and Pakistan and India and, and even China. And so you have influences like you, you do get this sense of curry. There's some kind of lentils that you would find in India or Pakistan. But then like in Iran, you find these, yeah, the way that the, the, the kebabs are made and the vegetables are eaten and some of the sauces are similar in Iran. Um, and then the, the, the mantu is totally kind of Chinese style. I mean, in Nepal, they have these really good dumplings called momos. And so that's why I think Afghanistan cuisine is so rich and diverse is because you have all these influ influences. It's 10, 12 p.m. right now. I already had dinner, but thinking about Afghan food, I wonder if there's an Afghan restaurant here in Phoenix. I doubt it. Have you found any good restaurants in Melbourne, some Afghan food or not yet? Yes, uh, true. Right now I'm in my cousin's house, which is located uh, in uh, Dandenong area. Dandenong is quite Afghan community out there. So you can you can go to a supermarket. You can still find the stuff that normally Afghan people buy it. And uh, you have some Afghan restaurants around this area with the same kebab and rice. and uh, But it's absolutely not the same quality as they make it in Mazar-e-Sharif and Afghanistan. But they try their best. It's good. That's awesome to hear that you, you can find the community there. To somebody who has never been to Afghanistan and who never thought about going there, what do you want them to know about your country? What do you want them to think about your country? First of all, they should, they should look at your videos. That's a very good picture of Afghanistan, you know? Thank you. You're, you're flattering yeah. me. Thank you so much. No, no, Drew. I'm, I'm so serious right now. Afghanistan is, uh, is a rich country with uh, lots of tradition, with uh, good food, very fresh vegetable and tasty fruits, with a very nice nature and uh, very original, friendly people very hospitable they they always welcome you anytime in their house and they never expect you anything like money or you in, in exchange you give them something we have a great mixed type of architecture we have architecture from 11th century we have architecture from 15th century different eras and different styles of architecture like this is this is afghanistan Afghanistan is not absolutely not what you hear in the media or what they show you these days. Even like in Afghanistan, right now with the plane that I came from Afghanistan to Dubai and then from Dubai to Australia, among this plane, inside this plane, different types of people were inside. Hazaras, Pashtuns, Tajiks, Uzbeks. And all of us, we were escaping because of our life. We were escaping from Afghanistan because of our safety. So even when I was in Afghanistan, until the last minute I stayed in Afghanistan and I worked in Afghanistan, we were hoping for peace. Everybody was tired of war. All these big type of projects and countries and uh, crazy stuff going on in Afghanistan, none of them is belongs to Afghanistan people. 
yeah, you all need to understand that Afghanistan people doesn't care about any of these. Afghanistan people want peace right now. It's not Afghan people who are fighting against each other. It's not Afghan people who wants the war. We, we are tired of war out there. We want peace and we want to stay in our own country. I had a very nice life out there in Afghanistan. I had my own very beautiful house. I had my beautiful car. I had my office that was helping a lot of children out there. I had my own business out there that I was enjoying out of that. Like I had a lot of achievements and I was feeling proud of myself. I mean, can you imagine how you, you, can, you can leave everything like that behind? How do you want to leave your house, your money, your office, your business and, and go somewhere? You know, right now I'm in Australia and uh, I'm happy. I was one of the luckiest who came out of Afghanistan right now. But now I don't have a house here. I am looking for a house for rent. It's two weeks that I'm searching a house. I go, I inspect a house and then I apply and then they don't accept me, you know, because they think I don't have money because they think uh, I don't have experience in, in, in Australia. I, I, I didn't have a job anywhere before. Like, I don't have the documentations for that. And this is my life in this beautiful Australia, this great big Australia here. C can you imagine something like that? So we, we, we're forced, you know, to escape out of Afghanistan. We don't want to escape. And... Uh, we never had problems in Afghanistan 50 years ago, 60 years ago. But I don't know what the world is doing right now in Afghanistan. It's like huge game of politics happening over there. Pakistan is part of this. Iran is part of this. India is part of this. America is part of this. Russia and China is part of this. It's all these countries fighting against each other, but in a field by the name of Afghanistan. So Afghanistan is just a playground for them. They play their nasty, stupid game out there. I'm sorry when I'm when I'm talking about Iran, Pakistan, America. I, I don't mean the people. The people is absolutely amazing. I love the people of Pakistan. I love the people of Iran. I mean, most of my most beautiful friends in America are very, very nice American that I'm proud to be friend with them. And we are friends and they care about me. But I hope one day this nasty game is over, Drew. And they uh, just leave us alone and then we can continue our normal life out there. So that's, that's what you need to know about Afghanistan. Yeah. We are not terrorists. We don't fight against each other. There are other people from outside. They come and they play their game and fight inside Afghanistan. There's so many things that I want to talk about with you. And we just we have such limited time, unfortunately. But... Your escape story, going back into the 90s, if I understand the dates correctly, it was the, couple, the first couple of years of the 90s when the Taliban took over Afghanistan. Is that right? Yeah, Taliban was created in 1995. They took over like 95% of Afghanistan, especially Mazar-e-Sharif in 1998. That was the time that they took over Mazar-e-Sharif. And you have childhood memories of, of seeing Taliban in the streets. You told me in one of the public squares, you saw like a hand that was chopped off and being hung because somebody stole something, right? Yeah, uh, it was not one hand. It was many hands out there. Yes, I am now writing stories, Drew. Uh, Even when I was in Afghanistan, I was writing my stories in Persian and I continue writing them. So now I am trying to publish a, a book, a collection of short stories, but 
all of those stories are true stories from my own memories and my own eyewitnessed type of stories. And I interviewed some friends as well. That's amazing. Nor, where can people find you on social media and where can they read these books? Of course, I'm going to put the link uh, on Let's Be Friends Afghanistan page, the Instagram page. Yeah, they, they can just type Let's Be Friends Afghanistan. That's it. And uh, so it, it probably takes time. And uh, whoever hear this conversation, if there is somebody who can help me with good revision of the story, that would be nice as well. Because my stories, I just translate them into English and my English is not a proper writing type of English. So I really need help with an actual revision on my stories to, to make it like a book. I can reach out to people in my network as well to find um, a good editor for, for your books. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very happy to help you out. You help me, I help you, and we all share the love of, of Afghanistan together. Thank you so much, Drew. You, 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 were, you, were, you were always great, Drew. Thanks, man. In this moment of time, if you could send one message to everybody in the world listening right now, what would you like to tell them? I mean, humanity, Drew. We need to respect the humanity. Uh, we need to care about each other. We need to stay positive. And we're just piece of each other. We're the same. We need to love each other. And uh, Afghanistan is not in good, in, in, in good condition right now. If there's any way they can do something in rescuing Afghanistan and helping Afghanistan, that would be nice. So in Afghanistan, it's all human beings living out there. They're in a very bad condition right now, especially it's winter right now, Drew. Now I am planning to set up my uh, team, talk to my friends around the world. I will put this on Let's Be Friends Afghanistan page as well. If one person can take care of a family in Afghanistan, that would be a great support. Because if if you pay $100 in one month, or let's say $3 a day, that can take care of a family of five to six people for one month. So if you can do that, do this please for Afghanistan people. We will, we will, we will connect the people together. Thank you so much, Noor. It's a pleasure speaking and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon in Australia and, and always talking more about Afghanistan. You're most welcome, Drew. Thank you so much for always caring about us, about Afghanistan. And uh, you're more than welcome to Australia one day. And we will absolutely keep one of our rooms for you. You and Diana can come here and stay with us. And I will show you the beauties of Melbourne. It's our habit to show you the beauties, you know, all the time. Teshakur Lala John. Thank you so much. Have a a great day. See you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Drew. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week.